The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, everybody. It is your Thursday episode, patrons only, although this one's going to be free because I got my boy, Scott Prather, from Lafayette to join me. Uh, I'm in L.A. this week, so this is like we're recording it a week ahead of time. Uh, and we're going to preview the Vikings game, but if like something horrible <laughs> happens Sunday and, or something awesome and we're not talking about it, that's why you know. i got to give you content, but I'm in L.A., so I can't do both. So Scott was happy and glad enough to join me because he's my guy, Drunk History. He's got the Think Tank in Lafayette. You can listen to it through all kinds of apps. Find it. It's, it's my drive time oasis in Houston because I'm in my car at least two hours every day find it on the web he's awesome scott thanks for giving me time guy always love coming on the podcast man <laughs> i gotta try some of that hot sauce i only got dude ghost stuff but i get I, I need i, I I'm, a, I'm a hot sauce guy like i can't eat it in public because i sweat from the top of my head <laughs> usually and people are like oh he's miserable i'm like no I'm, I'm actually like it i just so if i'm at home man i've i mean i got i got like five different hot sauces i'm just you know the- dipping stuff in the hot flavor for JLD is – it's no joke. Like you better be a serious hot sauce person and like your stuff very, very, very hot. But the mild and the medium are that's, really that's, good. The, yeah. that's the my medium is really good for me. My family can't eat it. My family can't use it, but I love it on eggs and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, that's nice. uh so we're we're talking about the Saints, and I wanted to start here before we get to to the Viking game and and Marcus Williams and all that. I, Scott, I watch these NFL games now, and, and I, look, I understand that defense wins championships. I understand that that that's been a myth for like at least twenty years. Maybe even you could make an argument that that was a myth forever. That you always needed a quarterback <laughs> to win. So I get it. Like defense is not really meant, but in the like this year. I can't even. I don't even know. Like, what's the level of defense you need to win a title? Like, because Kansas in 2012, the Saints gave up 400 yards of on of offense on defense, right? And they were the worst defense in history. And they were the only team to give up 400 yards. And it was comically bad. And we thought it was just this horrific thing that would never happen again. Now, six teams give up 400 yards, including Kansas City, who's on pace to be the worst defense ever, and they're going to win 12 games. So, like, I don't know what's the level of defense you need to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not asking this as, like, a smart-ass question that I'm going to have an answer. Like, I have no answer, but it's really, but it's a really interesting topic to me. It all depends on how good your quarterback is. I mean, like you said, this idea that well, it's all about defense. I was, I've said this, I mean, I've been on the radio for, you know, 15 years now. And anytime I hear the defense wins championships, I always respond with, so does offense. Like, it's not independent of it. It's just, it's one of those sports cliches that's always kind of gotten on my nerves. And it's, yes, you need a defense that's important. But in today's NFL with these rules, if you have an elite quarterback, then you can, you can overcome it. And, you know, guess what, guys? Matt Ryan's not elite. But, you know, uh, you look at teams like uh, Arizona or 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 Oakland. Um, 
or Indy, whose defense is, you know, back in the in the 30s or the high 20s. And their quarterback play hadn't been great this year. So their defense is garbage. Their quarterback's not great. Their team is garbage. You get the Chiefs in there, or or even like Andy Dalton, who I know, you know, some years he's awful, but he's had a nice season thus far, right? And you see Cincinnati can put it together on some Sundays and win a lot of games. So if you get good production from your quarterback in today's NFL, I mean, it's like 2012 wasn't like Drew Brees didn't play well, Ralph, and yet it still wasn't good enough to overcome just how bad that D is. Like if the rules perhaps were, were what they are today, just in 2012, you know, I don't, the Saints weren't, you know, winning the Super Bowl or anything, but even as bad as Spags was, Maybe they're nine and seven instead of seven and nine. You know, maybe they're well, ten and six. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the rules, right? Like Eli Manning, his quarterback rating, his career quarterback rating is like eighty-three point something. Oh, yeah. Now in the NFL, like seventeen dudes are better than that. They have nine guys this year quarterback rating that are better than Aaron Rodgers' career quarterback rating, and Aaron Rodgers has the highest quarterback rating in the history of the NFL for his career. So, I mean, like, quarterback play is easy. That's why Drew Brees is just destroying people, because I think as the NFL, Scott, to me, they've decided, look, we are going to score a shit ton of points, we're going to make the games closer, and we're going to make it easier to play quarterback in the NFL, because that's what people want to watch. They don't want to watch the Texans and the Bills play like I did Sunday, and it be 20 to 13, and Nathan Peterman is atrocious. I enjoy it because I like to see quarterbacks that are worse than the quarterbacks I've saw the Saints have, the Billy Joes, the Werfels. I find it mesmerizing to watch Peterman because he's so fucking terrible. But I'm the only person in America that feels that way, probably. So the NFL is like, we don't want that product. So we're going to make the rules so most teams can have at least a decent quarterback but what that does is the really good quarterbacks become like super fucking human, you know? We love points. Like, let's not act like like <laughs> I, I, the, the, the resistance, I think, to uh, the rule changes, you know, people that are still resisting it. Like, what do you want? Do you want what you saw, you know, um, Sunday before last when the Patriots played the Chiefs in a shootout? It was entertaining. It was fun. Yes, you, we want do it. you want that? <laughs> or, or would you trade that to have a few hard hits back in a game? And, like, I look, I, the, the hard hits – you know, especially now what we know with CTE and you see guys, I mean, I know, I know players, former players that, that are feeling the effects of it. And it, it brings a different light to it than whenever I was say, you know, just younger in high school and see somebody get jacked up and ESPN would do a segment on it. It was like, Oh, that was cool. You know, like would you trade that, which was, which at the time was cool if it meant a lot less points. And I think if you had your choice, if you had your options, come on, let's be real. Like, like 19 out of 20 people were taking the points. And so this idea of, oh, they're ruining the game. It's fun, man. I mean, there was a lot of talk about, oh, the ratings are going to keep sinking and they're taking this and you might as well put nope. flags on them and this and that. The ratings are doing pretty well this year. And whenever you see a, a, a low scoring game where Tennessee and Buffalo are kicking field goals, nobody wants to see that. You see a lot of points. Dude, get your popcorn ready because I'm in. Yeah, I mean, look, San Francisco – they didn't have Garoppolo. They they had C.J. Beathard and, and Shanahan. Granted, I think he's a great offensive coach, but he made C.J. Beathard look not terrible. Right. And maybe that's Green Bay. Maybe that's whatever. But that's where we are. But, but the thing is, I look at it, and I'm like, so I look at the Saints and their defense. It's not good, 
but it stops the run. I'm like, what? Like, do, do they need to have a better? Part of me is like, well, they just need to, to have a better pass rush. But then I'm like, if you have a better pass rush, you 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 open yourself up to more penalties, right? Because you can't touch the quarterback. So like, if I told you the rest of the way, the Saints can can be number one against the run. They can be uh, significantly better pass defense or their pass rush can be significantly better. But you can only pick one of those, Scott. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What do you pick? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, if, if a team can run the ball against the Saints effectively, they can control the clock. And with the Saints offense and the explosiveness it has, you know, like you don't want to give up the big play. I get it. But what we were talking about it, you know, just a, just a minute ago, Ralph, when, when you have a, an elite quarterback and you can win these shootouts, like wouldn't you trade? Like I feel like the Saints chances are better at that than going up against a team that can really run the ball effectively, move the sticks, grab an early lead, control the clock, like all that stuff. The, the more you keep the Saints offense off the field, I think the better chance you have to win. So, I I, I mean, you, you want all three, but if you can only have one, it, as crazy as it sounds in today's pass-happy NFL, I think for, for probably like 28 teams, you would say pass rush or good pass defense. But I think for the Saints, the way they're built offensively, I think if you had to pick one of those three things offensively, I think it's it's what they've done pretty good this year. That's, that's stopped the run. Yeah, I mean, I I argued. I was arguing with this Andrew, not on a show. We were just texting and calling yesterday. And I think I agree with you because the thing is, you look. They played the Giants, right? And the week before the Giants, they ran the ball against the Texans. Eli was comfortable. He had a great game against the Giants. The Saints were like, "Look, Saquon Barkley, you ain't doing shit. Okay, you're not doing anything." So then Eli couldn't do play action, and Eli's he Eli's washed. He's not accurate. He can't throw deep. So basically, it put everything on th- the Giants throwing the ball, and Eli's just not capable of it. So when you play teams that are bad, like to me, stuff in the run, it makes the Saints a lot less vulnerable to crappy quarterbacks. Like, they're going to play the Rams, and they could stop the run, and Goff could light them up. 
or Wentz could light him up. But when they play Joe Flacco, if the Saints hold Baltimore to under 75 yards rushing, Flacco's not going to light them up, I don't think. The same with Tampa and Winston. Like When they play these teams with bad quarterbacks and they can't run the ball, especially in the dome, like Alex Smith... It, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna benefit them greatly. So I'm with you. My question though is about the defense. Like, I look at Marcus Davenport, Scott, and I. I joke on Twitter and I joked on my podcast that there's a possibility by the end of the year, Green Bay is just gonna wish they had Marcus Davenport and not the Saints' 2019 pick. So I guess my question is, we see it in flashes and it's sort of come in slowly, sort of. But can Marcus Davenport? Can he be awesome post Thanksgiving? Um, is the Pope Catholic? Hell, uh, <laughs> freaking yes, he can, man. Like watching him. It, what's amazing um, is watching him make these plays and assimilate to the to the NFL game and still be so raw. Like he's like we haven't even come close to that ceiling. And like what he did in that Monday night game against Washington, just. You know, he was on. He got more snaps than he did the week before. He was going up against Trent Williams. Like the guy's a perennial Pro Bowler. He's one of the best tackles in the league. And Davenport, without even the the best technique, he's out there and schooling him on some plays just with his sheer talent alone. And I love the kid's mindset. It's like he's like not like I don't know if it's if it's because of the built-in pressure of the two first-round picks. I don't know if it's just in his DNA or what. But like. Teron Armstead, who is just freaking balling out this season, handled him so much in training camp that, like, the guy, <laughs> the guy was humbled so much. He's like, I have so much more work to do. So anytime he makes a play, they talk to him about it after the game, and he's like, yeah, man, I, I, I just – I'm mad that I missed this play. Oh, I got to work on this. I got to work on that. And for some guys, like, it just – that's almost like lip service. But when you see this guy's body language and, like, how yeah. – like, I, I actually believe it. Like – I actually believe it. So it's not like he's going to be like, he's not going to get to a spot, you know, say Thanksgiving against Atlanta or a week after and, you know, a Thursday night in Dallas where he's like, okay, I kind of got this figured out. Like, I feel like his mindset is, man, I I can be so much better. Like by by week 15, 16, if he stays healthy, like in, in the saints continue you know, to win and they're up there in the standings. Yeah. So you're not thinking, Oh God, it's going to be a top 10 pick or people are going to really, really, I think start embracing this guy because I, I had some, some doubts too strong of a word, but I, I was cautious, especially year one about how long it would take. And, and I don't know that he's going to be, you know, uh, DeMarcus Ware by week 17, but God dog, man, maybe in a few years and by week 17, this guy's like, what was your prediction? He, Ralph? You thought maybe five or six sacks this year. I think he's going to top that. I said, I said, if he got four, over four and a half, I'd be ecstatic. And my main thing all the whole time was I was just like, I just want him playing. I don't, I don't even care about numbers or whatever. I just want him getting snaps and I don't want him being a healthy scratch. Because that to me is a bad. He's he's raw and he's got to play. And here's the thing, Scott. Like to me, it's to me it, under my is my best case scenario. Because listen, I'm not saying Troy, Trey Hendrickson is a great defensive end or anything, but I'm telling you, he is an NFL quality rotation defensive end. And the Saints 
I don't think they'll trade him because you, you can never have too many defensive end, and he's a great insurance policy. But he's a healthy scratch now, Scott. And if I was an NFL team and I needed an end, I would be calling the Saints and being like, what do I need to do to get give you to get you to give me Hendrickson? And, uh, I mean, the Saints probably would say no, but he's a good, he was a good player in preseason. He was good last year until he got hurt. And the Saints are like, nah, brah. Marcus Davenport's getting the snaps. You, you, you're not getting the snaps. And he's a healthy scratch every week, which to me says everything I need to know about what the Saints think of Marcus Davenport. They're just like, to me, Scott, they've made the decision that they're like, Davenport can be awesome, and the only way he can be awesome is to play, so he's going to play. And I think they, they made that decision, but did it surprise you how quickly they made it? Yes. I mean, I, look, we all thought Hendrickson would be in the lineup you know, weeks one, two, three, really probably most of the season. Um, and yet, like you said, healthy scratch. Like Davenport is is good enough in, in his rawness, right, to put out there and not worry it's going to cost us the game, right? I mean, like, yeah. like you brought it up. I mean, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, Stanley Jean it was like, you're, you suck so much that even though we don't have a winning record right now, you're, you're and, too much like you're, and your growing even, pains are not worth the liability and even like, and we're and they were and for for that they were desperate for right. any corner back play that was competent they were signing dudes off the street instead of playing stanley jean baptiste so that's why it was a red flag there at least with davenport wasn't playing like if davenport wasn't playing and hendrickson was killing it you'd be like well hendrickson's killing it what are you gonna do but to me, I mean, it's just been like it's been a revelation, and and I look at him, I think he is going to be massively good. Maybe not this year, but he like if he's healthy, it, to me, it's not a question if if he's going to be a ten sack guy. He's going to be that. Um, so it's another it's another hit on their draft. But before we get to Marcus Williams in Minnesota this week. The last thing I want to touch on is you mentioned it before. Teron Armstead is just, he's healthy. He figured out how to take care of his body. It wasn't that he wasn't working hard, Scott, right? It was just like he wasn't doing it smarter or whatever. He has turned the Saints offensive line into a juggernaut. Like with without him, they're pretty good and they could still win a Super Bowl. With him, their offensive line is fucking murdering people. So I guess my question to you is, are you are you surprised at how well this offensive line has been healthy even though we always thought it could be really good? Has it surprised even you? Not not a ton. I mean, the one guy that that there were two guys I had concerns about health-wise and that was Andrew Pete and Teron Armstead. Um and Pete, you know, he's missed some time. He's, he, you know, he's, he's dealt with his injuries. But I, I there was a lot of Kool-Aid that, they were, that, that was being sold during training camp and preseason, one of which was Marcus Williams, who we'll get into in, in a minute. But the, the pieces about Armstead and how he had changed his routine, how he had changed his conditioning in terms of taking care of his body, the guy is, when healthy, one of the best left tackles in football. And in the NFL, the only way to get a, a, an elite left tackle is you gotta you gotta draft one, or you gotta basically overpays the wrong word, but you gotta because the market is 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 thin, so they make a, a shit ton of money. But you gotta pay a lot for them, and so they 
they gave Armstead this deal that, you know, I mean, he's making, uh, I think his base salary this year is like 10.2. I think he had like a $2 million, uh, you know, roster bonus or something like that. But the point is like 10 mil for an elite left tackle in a single season. Nothing. It, 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 nothing. In the NFL, it isn't. So, you know, and there was talk, well, do they cut him? And next, look, you're not, you're not, next year his cap hit is big. It's 15 million. And yet, dude, I mean, when you've got a left tackle that's that good, he's only 27, Ralph. So you think about that, and it's he, uh, an elite tackle can play for a while. He actually, I don't know that he'll play out the, the current terms of the contract, as you know, Mickey is always saying, oh, well, let's convert this into a roster bonus and blah, 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 blah. But like, he's not going anywhere. And yeah. now that his body's healthy, like he's never been to the Pro Bowl. And, and, and that's saying something because, you know, there's so many alternates now. There's so many subs. I mean, I could probably freaking make it. But the point is, he's <laughs> always been talented enough to start in one. And I think this is a year where hopefully he's not playing in it, right? Hopefully the Saints are in the Super Bowl. But, like, he's that talented. Like, you to have that guy um, as your left tackle healthy, I mean, what he does in the screen game, Ralph, what he does in the passing game, not just, not just before the throw but after, I mean, that guy just wrecks people. And the thing about him is, and I know I'm not a big on, like, beloved and locker room and all that, but Saints players, they love him because all the dudes in, that are veterans in that locker room, and granted, they don't have any, you know, Drew and, and Morstead are the only dudes left from 2009, but in 2014 and 2015, Armstead was playing on one leg, and he was playing good. And other players, they look at that, and they're like, that dude played on one leg when we were 5-9. and nine. And it matters to players. And, they, and he's one of the guys that it, I think along with Breeze is, is beloved in that locker room, which says a lot. Um, now I want to get to Marcus Williams. And look, they had, you mentioned it before, the glowing pieces in the summer and all that. Scott... I, and the, the thing that annoyed me, and we touched on it a little bit in the podcast in, in the summer, but I wanted to, I, I had you on because I love your takes on these, these sorts of things, and that's why I had you here today. Is it drove me nuts that a lot of the media in New Orleans, not the good, the, the people that are really good at their job, like Nick Underhill and that, but a lot of the local media were like, "Hey, Marcus Williams, you need to talk about the play against Minnesota, and you know, I want to ask you about it on social media. You need to take accountability and all this." I'm like. Listen, it happened. It was horrible. After the game, he didn't hide. He didn't duck out. He answered every goddamn question while you he, while he could still hear the freaking 70,000 people in Minnesota celebrate. He answered every question, took it, went to the offseason, and, and is like, look, I'm done with it. And, Scott, I just think in my life, I'm like, I would not want to discuss my worst day of my career over and over and over again for the media just so they can get clicks or whatever the hell. I mean, like, it just drives me nuts. And do you think that he has some sort of responsibility or whatever to rehash it for the local media or the national media or whoever? I, I, I You know, like, Step Brothers is such a, a great freaking movie and, uh, and it fades <laughs> well. And whenever Horatio Sands is, it's the cover, the Billy Joel cover band, but it's like they only do 80s or they only do 90s. I don't remember exactly, but the, the, but you know, people keep telling him, "Hey, play this song, play this song," and he finally loses it, and he's like, "God damn it!" And he like storms off the stage. You think if you're like a musician that spends your whole life working at your craft, you have a lot of good music, and yet the mainstream media only knows that one hit that you 
you just hate to fucking play and sing. And it's like, that's all they request. Like that's, that's unfortunately for Marcus and in full disclosure, I, I was, I, I, from the moment they drafted him, I remember that night I was like, he's, 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 he's going to be a great fit. I mean, I'm a fan of the guy. And unfortunately he's, he's always going to be remembered first for that play, not just by the national media, but honestly, probably by saints fans too. Now I don't think like, I think, you know, I think this week when you're playing Minnesota and you're going back to the scene of the crime, I get it like that. It, it, it sucks, but I get it. Like if you're, if you're a musician and, um, and you know, you're, you're doing a, a tour at the casino on the casino circuit, like you got to play the old hit, you know I mean? That's what people came there for, even if you don't want to do it. But like outside of that, you know, it, it does suck for him that now anytime he makes a play, you know, in any game, like if he makes some plays this Sunday, it's going to be, it's going to be the, the lead story. Like if he has a big intercept and I, I mean, who wouldn't be happy for him? That's not a Vikings fan, but anytime he makes a play this year and it's, and it's, that's going to be referenced like people sitting at home in their chair. Well, glad he didn't, you know, jump down low and just whiff there or, or, or it might even be a positive man. Good for him. I bet he's just still torn up about that shit. It's like, man, he may not, he's probably not thinking about it in this moment. He just wants to play. Uh, look, the kid's classy. I think he's a good player. I, I don't think, you know, uh, the media did him a service by with, you know, or, or rather his teammates, excuse me, not the media, but with, with the Ed Reed stuff. But it, if they're playing the Vikings, I get it. You know, uh, if he has a play that's basically very similar, I get it. But at some point, you know, you, you want him just to be able to play a game. Like at some point as that musician, you want to just play another song. You want to be appreciated for these other great songs that you've really worked hard on. You don't want to just be like, Jesus Christ, like again, like this is what you guys want. Like, come on already. Yeah, That's where want, Marcus is right now. Yeah, you just want me to play my one, the one top 10 hit on a loop. Um, but here's the thing. The Saints are in this stretch and I mean, Baltimore, Minnesota, and then um, the Rams. And, and I feel like they can survive this stretch. They can get clear. And to me, I look at the South, and I, the South just isn't as good as we thought. Like, I don't think Atlanta's that good. I don't think Carolina's that good. Tampa, I think Dirk Cutter is – he fired He's Mike garbage. Smith. He's going to get fired soon. He's garbage. So, so like, where do you – and then we'll get, out, we'll get out on this. Where do you see the Saints – so far this year and where do they have to get to get a buy probably 11 wins might do it like i think look they might beat the rams i still don't think they're going to you know be a one seed because the look the ram the, the nfc west is just complete shit other than the rams and the rams schedule when you look at it their hardest game remaining remaining on their schedule by far is is the trip to new orleans so even if the saints win that and get the tiebreaker I just the, the Rams. The Rams are going to be favored, barring barring significant injuries. They're going to be favored in every game they play the rest of this year, except for the game in New Orleans. So, look, the Bears. The Bears have the Bears are leaky. You know, the Packers defense um, has some issues, and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers don't get along that well. The NFC East is just uh, up for grabs between three teams that are that are okay. Really, it's. You know, I, I think in this, I think the, the the division winner in the NFC South, and I, I do believe it's going to be the Saints, uh, is going to be the two seed. 
regardless of the record. I you get to a you get the same record as you had last year, you've got the buy. Like you're not going to be a four seed. You're going to be a two seed this year in the NFC. That's how I see this thing shaking. It might be. It could be. I don't know that. I think eleven and five is questionable. It's not going to be like two thousand six where ten and six no, no, gets you a buy. I mean, that, the Saints went the Saints went ten and six in two thousand six, and they 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 forfeited the final week. Like that's how bad the NFC was in 2006. But Scott, final thing, and then I'll let you get out of here. We do, obviously we're doing this. We don't know the outcomes of these games, but you have uh, next week. You are going to have LSU Bama on Saturday night, and then the Saints Rams in the Superdome on Sunday afternoon. If LSU and if the Saints or if LSU handles their they handle their business versus stadium, or if it doesn't even matter because it's Bama and it's LSU and it's Tiger Stadium. But if the Rams are undefeated, man, is it the best weekend in the history of Louisiana football? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the Saints winning a significant postseason game, even though they're the only game on. I mean, I that's that's still that still trumps it in my opinion. But but God dog man, I mean, uh, I mean in 2011, who did the Saints play when LSU won at? They played the, the Saints. The Saints pistol whipped Detroit. Well, no, no, the Saints pistol whipped Detroit on the weekend. LSU got crushed by Alabama on a Monday, and then the Saints lost to San Francisco on, no, 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 sa- no, on, no, on a no, Saturday. No, I, I remember the end of the season. That was devastating. I'm talking about. When LSU went to Bama and won nine to six, like Ooh. what did the Saints do that weekend uh, in early November in 2011? Let me let me let me see. I, let, me, let me pull up the uh, the Saints schedule and let's go back and see what they did that week in the NFL um, because that was that was because uh, I remember I remember after that LSU Bama game, yeah. I drove to New Orleans because I was in Lafayette. I was working and, and I was covering the Cajuns. I drove to New Orleans and yeah, the Saints beat the Bucks. Um, 27 to 16 the next day in that game in 2011. Uh, that was back when Josh Freeman was their quarterback. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Breeze threw two touchdowns. Chris Ivory was the leading rusher for the Saints, only 67 yards. Kind of a weird, um, you know, the box score there. But yeah. it was like the Saints were six and three at that point. Like they were, they, they weren't were coming off a loss to the Rams. Yeah. So you know, no one knew. Holy crap! They're about to just go on this run. They're going to win the rest of the games in the regular yeah. season, and they're going to have like the the highest ranked offense in NFL history. So it was the feeling might have been a little bit different on that Sunday, but for Saints fans, that was a hell of a weekend. And yeah, well, same Flash LSU fans. I mean, if you have Bama number one and the Rams undefeated, good good God, that that is a perfect. It's it's a dream a week for you because you got to do a show every day. You make a you make a compelling case. I'll give you that. <laughs> Scott, uh, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter, and if they can find you on Twitter, then they can find all your shows. Sure, man. It's uh, at Scott underscore 1420, at Scott underscore 1420. Uh, the Great Scott Show, you can, um, you know, if you want to listen on the ESPN 1420 app, uh, if you're in Lafayette, you know, listen to 1420 on the AM dial. Most people listen on the app. That's where a lot of our heavy numbers are. They're also, um, you know, most of the, the majority of shows – and interviews are put up uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes and Google Play, so you can subscribe via podcast style. 
and then kind of sort it out and be like, oh, well, you know, Scott was talking about this today. I don't really follow this. That's oh, how he, I do it. He, he interviewed this guy or he talked Saints or he talked Pelicans yep. or whatever. I want I want to hear that. So that kind of makes it user friendly. But uh, but yeah, man, any any follows or anything like that? A lot of Saints, a lot of Pelicans, a lot of uh, a lot of UL Raging Cajuns and, and some LSU as well is usually what you see from there. And an occasional random tweet about something, you know, my kids do. <laughs> So, everybody follow him and listen to his show. Scott is awesome. And if you like this, this one we made it free as a taste, but you can be a patron for as little as a dollar. If you pay $3.28 a month, you get all the access to shows and you get a free cool magnet. So, uh, Scott, thanks for joining us, Guy, and uh, I know we'll be talking to you down the road. I appreciate it. And the 28 to 3 reminded me, or the 328 reminded me that the Falcons got Mike Smith fired twice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend.